Welcome to episode seven of the Sink or Swim podcast. Episode seven, you said? E- episode seven. Wow. We are continuing our uh, specialty series, whatever you want to call it, where we talk to different students that applied successfully to different specialties. Different members of the charter class. Different members of the class it's of 2022. Special. Yes. Our class, the charter class, the inaugural class. Today we have a special guest, soon to be Dr. Kyle Huntley. Kyle Huntley! It's very nice having you here, man. Welcome. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to be here and, and happy to uh, to share this uh, this moment with you guys and, and talk a little bit more about uh, what led me to uh, orthopedics. Kyle, we're so happy to have you. I got to tell you, when you opened your envelope on stage, I nearly cried. <laughs> I think everybody I think cried. my mom cried, too. That was... That picture of your mom? Oh, my god! Yeah, your family reacted really, like, authentically. It was beautiful. Yeah. It, was, it yeah. was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. And you decided to... Open your envelope fresh on the stage. You didn't know what to expect, and this is interesting because you parallel applied, which we'll get into later. Yeah, um, yeah So you was, didn't know what you were going into or where you were going. That was exciting, and, and I think you guys talked about in the last episode how um, our match day worked. We were given a choice whether to open it in private, you know, just us, just the students, and take a peek, or open it on stage and, and live with everybody. Um, I decided to open it live on stage, and I had no idea. I, I, I dual applied, and I had no idea what it was going to end up being, but... I just felt like, you know, I owed it to my to my mom and my girlfriend and everybody that came here to, like, you know, share that moment with them and whatever it was. Like, I knew that I had that support system there, and, and luckily it, it worked out. And you I'm applied sure. to orthopedic surgery, just for clarification, Yes, right? yes. So I applied to um, orthopedic surgery, um, and I matched at my number one, and uh, I'm going to be going to the Ohio State University for the next five years in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, my gosh. Do they and have, like, a saying? Do they have like a thing where they go all high? Like, you know, they go what's high still, in the middle, round on both sides. High, no, I'm Do still learning. Know? Okay, I know it's a it's a huge uh, huge campus, uh, huge state school with uh, you know good football program, good athletics. You know that college town feel, which was you know something I was really really looking for. Um, I mean, I, I did my undergrad at UF, and, and I really kind of fell in love with like that environment. Uh, so that really helped me put Ohio State as my number one. You know, kind of be in that collegiate atmosphere where you still get a great education. And then can still have fun and, and, you know, have that wellness with your co-residents outside and, you know, enjoy the things that make you happy. I know Ohio State really likes to say the Ohio State. They do. They, they put a huge emphasis on Oh, is that on, what they say? It's yeah, the, the, Ohio the Ohio State. The Ohio State. Yeah, and wow. the V is capitalized. Oh, so, is it? Yeah, okay. the T, They're the really T, into yeah. it. They're really into it. Yeah. Beautiful area I hear. I, I watched this episode of... I watch on BBC this um, beautiful <laughs> show called Aerial America, where they do aerial tours of each state. I watched really? the Ohio one um, before my interview, uh, just to get an idea of what Ohio looked like, and it looks really beautiful, especially the Columbus area. So I'm very, uh, very excited for you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I did my month rotation there, so I got a little taste, but you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be there for five years and and see what that what that takes me after. And, uh, and that was your number that. one. That was my number one. And you choice. got your number one orthopedics choice. Yes. Wow. And you guys have to tell I'm, us all the I'm recipe humbled. to that. I don't know if there's a recipe, but I, I think, can try my best. Yeah, I think going at trying to figure out what the recipe may be or parts of it is important because I feel like orthopedic surgery in particular is something a lot of medical students maybe they don't, they don't end up applying to ortho, but it's something they're like, man, maybe I could do ortho. That sounds really interesting. And a lot of people, it just sounds cool. You know, you're fixing people's broken bones, and mm-hmm. a lot of your patients are young. Um, most of, I don't know about most, but a lot of the injuries are accidents. So yeah. it's a very unique specialty. Yeah. Especially going to a place that you're going and the things that you wanted out of your place was 
you know, a, a sports team, the collegiate sort of feel that, you know, it seems like that would yeah. go hand in hand with orthopedics, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think that they have fantastic opportunities there. I mean, I wanted to be in an academic setting a little bit more because I, I do like doing research um, mm-hmm. and I still like having those opportunities. And then, you, like you said, you really just mix in the whole atmosphere of the area. So it, it made it really an easy choice. And, and when I rotated there, I fell in love with, uh, you know, the residents, the faculty and and it just was the whole package, and I'm just honored and humbled to uh, to have made it this far. Yeah, and on top of how neat orthopedic surgery is just as a field, I think it's also kind of a uh, a nebulous thing for medical students because it's notoriously hard to get into, or maybe competitive is a better word, um, and a lot of people are, are uh, intimidated by that. So I think just talking about your journey there will be really helpful. I yeah. believe when you just said now that you like to do research, I'm going to tell you why, because I remember at the very first RISE conference we had, your project was the best one that I heard that day. It was really cool what you guys were doing. Thank you. With Thank the you. pig hearts. I remember that. Yes. I remember it. And I remember being blown away like, wow, I'm really in med school. We have this kid up here doing like <laughs> legitimate research and talking about it so confidently was and beautifully. It was like MRIs um, of hearts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I did in between my M1 and M2 year. I did an eight-week research, you know, internship type of deal, unpaid internship at uh, the University of Miami um, where we did some cardiology research on on pig hearts and kind of just learned the connection between, you know, kidney failure and heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. So my job there was to basically just analyze the, the heart MRIs and, and kind of just see if there really was an effect on, on the kidney failure and our heart failure with preserved ejection fraction and just kind of correlate those two numbers. Um, and I had a chance to present that at our at our medical school's um, uh, first ever research conference, and and I won the 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 prize or not the prize the the first uh, overall in, in research presentation, which I'm still humbled not about, and and I'm somewhat still surprised. But <laughs> I'm not surprised was, at all. It was a cool experience, and and that's what I would say too is I wasn't orthopedic re- surgery um, from the start. I had a very, very open mind, and I and I think that's what allowed me to, to you know, be confident about my choice in orthopedic surgeries because I, I was able to try everything. I did cardiology. I loved it, but maybe, you know, it wasn't necessarily for me in the end. And, and I did other research that I'm sure we can talk about later and, like, things like allergy and epidemiology, immunology, and, and that's what really made me feel confident about my choice in orthopedics too because I tried everything. And so. I think that uh, that's really important for students to understand because you're saying that you were interested in orthopedics from the start? Mm-mm. No. Oh, you were not. I, 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 I mean, I was interested in everything mm-hmm. was my problem. Well, so, I think yeah. it's not a problem. That's a great problem to have. <laughs> that yeah. was my problem. Keeps I liked, I liked everything. You know how I know you were ortho from the get-go? Tell me. Square jawline. Oh, thank you. <laughs> nice I don't know. It's a nice cut jawline. I'm trying to grow a beard. I don't oh, know. don't don't hide that jawline. <laughs> You're too nice, Sam. It's part of the, it's part of the mis- part of the ortho. Yeah, it's part of the ortho crew. Well, I think what I was trying to say is just that doing research um, early on in any specialty, as long as it's meaningful and you're you're gaining a lot of experience out of it, is is fine. You did cardiology research. You successfully matched ortho at a great program. Eventually, you said you did all these varied types of research projects. It's not going to hinder you from going to a specialty like orthopedic surgery just because you're doing a research project in a different field. Yeah, and that's what I've noticed too is that. That, even on the interview trail, like do you don't have to do you don't have to have fifty lines of research in orthopedics or anything like that. Just do a project that you're passionate about and can talk about. 
Um, during COVID, uh, a couple of classmates and, and, and myself did COVID epidemiology research, which we were, we were fortunate to have it published in the, in the American Journal of Epidemiology. And that has nothing to do with orthopedics whatsoever. But I was able to talk about that on every single interview and just say, hey, this is a project that I helped lead from the start. And they just want to see that you're able to go through that process and see a project through to completion. Yep. Uh, no matter no matter what it is because um, that translates to you being able to do future research in their program exactly exactly and i think that that's really uh something important to keep in mind that just you know do something with your time um no matter what it is and do something that interests you and something that you can talk about i mean of course it doesn't hurt to have you know orthopedic research and i and i was fortunate to have a couple of papers um review papers in orthopedic surgery which i was also able to talk about but if you're just looking to get started as an m1 m2 and you know orthopedics or maybe even not orthopedics like get involved in something yeah, do something for do sure. something so that you learn the research process and can talk about it on interviews and that's really important i think the you keep mentioning something you're able to talk about and what that means and i felt the exact same way is that when you're in interviews with different programs they're going to ask you oh i saw that you were on this project with xyz can you tell me about it and if you're able to talk eloquently about like what you know how that project started how you saw it through to completion like you said that's that's you know that speaks a lot about your research capabilities and you as a student. Exactly. Yeah. Just just make sure that when you're interviewing at these programs that you, you know you emphasize that like I was very interested in this. I helped like say what you did specifically in it. I helped lead it. I submitted it. I I was the primary author. I drafted everything up. Like whatever it is, make sure that you you emphasize that and say and how it's going to help you in the future when you go to that residency program. Say oh I noticed you guys like to do research and I'd like to get involved in these projects. Um, and it, I, I thought it was very important to, you know, that's just one data point on your, your application. Um, like I said, they don't necessarily, they're not going to scour over your lines of research, but they want to know how you're going to talk about it in the interview and, and how, why it was important to you. And so. being able to speak about it is great. Like I mentioned in our research episode, I've only done one project, but the same thing for two straight years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was taught, I, it was brought up a lot during interviews. So Kyle's absolutely right. Something you can speak about um, passionately, and mm-hmm. yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, and yeah. I was internal medicine. Most of mine was in emergency medicine. A little like one paper on trauma surgery and two epidemiology. Nothing yeah. to do with internal medicine. Nothing to do with cardiology, which is like what I'm planning on doing. And it was still something I could talk about on yeah. interviews. Yeah. So I know we kind of went down like the research tangent, but let's back it up maybe a little bit <laughs> and course. talk about you. Let's talk about young Kyle. Definitely young Kyle. <laughs> young Kyle. Let's talk about young Kyle. I know one thing. I know your parents are from New York. My yes. yes, my mom is from Brooklyn. Her I come from, from a very Brooklyn. Italian family, but I don't know what happened to me because I'm not really that Italian. I talk with my hands, but that's about as far as it goes. Um, I, I kind of like spaghetti. Chicken parm is one of my favorite <laughs> foods. But other than that, that's why I'm not really that great of an Italian or a New Yorker. But um, I can take you to a good pasta restaurant if you if you want to find your Italian again. I, I would love to. It's uh, it's called Spaghetto. It's a little factory that a guy from Italy has. It's just it's on Davy. It's like on 84. I'm going to need that. Uh, it, it's pretty fantastic. You should take Ashley there. Yes, um, before we leave. They make fresh yeah. pasta. It's a factory. We went. It's just, pretty nice. It, it's pretty great. I'm going to need that recommendation. Definitely, yeah. yeah. You can find the Italian within <laughs> you. And you'll realize it's not all chicken parm and spaghetti. I mean, Kyle, shame on with, you. Nothing wrong with that. But... Uh, <laughs> So my, my yeah my family's from from New York but um I grew up my whole entire life in uh, in South Florida in in Parkland Coral Springs area um it's just like a suburb of Fort Lauderdale um and uh, in high school I was just very interested in chemistry 
uh, and then I went to the University of Florida, and, and that's what I majored in was was biochemistry, and and that kind of opened me the world of you know medicine in general, um, you know how the body interacts and and how all these these disease processes happen, um, and and it really got me interested in the basic sciences, and and that's really why I applied to medical school. Um, just kind of getting that exposure to science. Um, while I was at the University of Florida, though, uh, I think a really big moment for me was I got my EMT license in between my sophomore and junior year at, at UF. Um, I did like an accelerated five-month program, whatever it was, and I thought it was just so valuable, um, even in medical school, to, you know, kind of have that background knowledge already of, you know, BLS, disease process, how to, you know, acutely manage some 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 patients. Um, and after I got my EMT license, I worked as an EMT. I volunteered as an EMT in a very, very rural county in Florida um, for about two and a half years until I graduated. And that was just an incredible experience, you know, just kind of seeing patients in their homes and also getting your hands dirty in medicine before before I went to medical school. Yeah, we did the same exact thing between sophomore and junior year, got the EMT license, worked for a few years before med school. I completely agree, like totally yeah. invaluable experience and so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that if, if you guys have an opportunity, so I wasn't big into research at this point in undergrad. I would rather, I wanted to get my hands dirty right on medicine and, and you know, do something cool like being an EMT. Uh, so there's multiple routes to go. I know some people in undergrad now, I know how competitive it is to get into medical school or pushing like, you know, doing research in undergrad. But if, if that's not your thing, I thought the, the EMT route was, was a fantastic option and it gave me something to talk about too in, in all my interviews, I'm sure, with, with you too, Mitch. Yeah, I also had like no research going into med me school. Neither. That was the backbone. Like that and playing football, those mm -hmm. were like my two things that like separated me in a way. Yeah. From an admission standpoint, at least here, so just at our school, what I've noticed is that um, a very robust clinical experience will get you a lot farther than research. Yeah. It's nice to have both, but if you can only have one, yeah. you know, um, yeah, they I like think the clinical experience is, is key, um, especially something that that you guys had done, you know, like a, an actual job. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, it was nice. And it gives, like I said, back to the, to the even the residency interviews, even medical school interviews, if they're, if they're pre-meds listening to this, just like give, give the admissions, you know, committee something to talk about, just something interesting that you can talk about. My EMT experience was something. I didn't have research or publications to talk about, but I talked about, you know, my time on the ambulance being in, in a very, very rural, underserved area of Florida and, you know, kind of how that opened my mind to things. And, and you know, made made sure that medicine really was was it for me. So e then, EMT yeah. particular is really cool because you're seeing patients even at like you know BLS mm -hmm. level at like mm -hmm. kind of the lower end of the totem pole, but you're getting uh, a feel for what it's like to assess a patient and like treat them in some way, even if minimally. And then even interacting with nurses and doctors in the ER, it's a very cool experience. It's like shadowing, but also providing some patient care. Yeah, you get the flow of how things work too. And then when you are in your third year, fourth year of medical school, you kind of, you know, you gain an appreciation for when they bring people in on EMS and like you get an idea of what's going on, you know, beforehand. So that was really the my, my college experience. I didn't do too much else. I, I was able to, you know, do like an observership shadowing with an anesthesiologist while I was at UF. Um, which was also really cool and gave me that early exposure to anesthesia, which I still, you know, do have an interest in. Um, but uh, after that, I applied to medical school, and I had the opportunity to co-be the charter class at uh, Nova Southeastern's new MD program, which is, you know, 30, 40 minutes away from, you know, my family home. Um, That's great for you. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it was, it was an awesome opportunity, you know, come home. 
and you know have that support system really really close to me and and you know I'm, I'm a south florida kid and i've been here my whole life and it was just awesome to come back and you know be a part of this we ask everybody this but do you remember when you got your like the acceptance letter <laughs> yes what were you doing yes yes i do Everyone so does. um remembers. so i remember it was actually on my sister's birthday uh, but I was at UF. I was a uh, I was a chemistry tutor for the uh, University Athletic Association. Um, so that means you tutored athletes. Yes, I did. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you it was tutored really cool. someone like you, Mitch. Yeah, <laughs> gotten you to the 3.0 club. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I haven't told you about that yet. No, we, had, we we had like a in the football team, like because you know athletes yeah. aren't usually great. We had like a 3.0 club. If you had over 3.0, you got a T-shirt. Wow. It's pretty prestigious. Wow. Mitch made it into the club. Yeah. I'm sure Obviously, he did. He's Look here. at him. Yeah, yeah, of course. Smart. One of the smartest kids in our entire class, right here. With Please Mitch. go on about your tutoring. Subjective. Sorry. Yeah, that's a subjective opinion. No. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, I had the chance to be a chemistry and biology tutor for the University Athletic Association. Again, really cool. What awesome kind of experience. chemistry though? Just that I'm gonna, I, I'm sorry, I'm throwing you off here. Yeah. Are you an O chem or a so Gen chem person? So I started off in biology, and then my senior year, I kind of worked my way up. So I did this for like three, three and a half years at UF. My senior year at UF, they uh, moved me up to like head chemistry tutor almost, where I didn't really wow. have like specific students like I did the, the previous years like they would assign me you know somebody from the swimming team somebody from that you're going to help them with the, with their biology class whatever my senior year they just said you're the chemistry guy you're going to have two hours of office hours per week or four hours office hours per week whatever it was and people are just going to come in and ask you questions about any chemistry class oh wow okay so that was really cool, cool. and then one and then there was a couple students that came every week and I was like yeah of course like we'll do a private tutoring session I mean they weren't you know paying me or anything so I'll, I'll do whatever I can do to help the athletes um, so anyway back to the, the medical school story I found out at noon and I had a tutoring session that also started at noon so as soon as my student walks in, I get a buzz on my phone, and I look through, and I see the, the acceptance email. And my, the, the, the student I was with, he could see, like, like something was like I was just happy about something. He was like, hey, what's going on, man? I was like, yeah, I just got accepted to medical school. And he was so happy for me, and, oh. and it was awesome. But we, we, we did the whole hour, so I had to kind of contain myself. <laughs> so I had to contain myself for the whole entire hour. What um, kind of athlete that. was this? Just he was a football player. A football player. So yeah, he, but he was probably super happy for you. Yeah, yeah. he he was awesome. So the, the the athletes I worked with, I I can't say enough about how amazing they all were, and and the University of Florida, the way that they, you know, structure how they have you know student tutors that to help the student athletes. It was it was an amazing experience too, and again, something to to That's talk cool. about. That's a cool experience to have. Yeah, I like that you've done that. Yeah, it helped me with the basic sciences, even coming into medical school, because mm -hmm. you know. You say you learn best by teaching somebody. Absolutely. Um, yep. So that was really cool. So I had to contain myself for an hour, and then I went back to my house, called my mom, everything. Oh, I bet she was so excited. Yeah. she. My mom's a teacher, so she was in the middle of, of teaching, and she was like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then it was all history from there. And okay, then, you know, and then here you were. And I remember it. you were in my PI, professional immersion group, which is the first thing you start when you get here at NSUMD. Um which, what do we even do in there? And we, we, it was, I always thought we of it. We read a book. It's like a two week orientation. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. That's what I've yes, always called it's it. It's a two week orientation. And Kyle was in my group. Yes. And I remember um, Kyle has had, or maybe has, or had a penchant for fast food. And so. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chick-fil-A, yes. I know you do. Admittedly. So we, we would, I would ask you your order, and you would tell me your order. Yes. Yeah. The Chick-fil-A, you need a spicy sandwich meal. Okay. Large with a Coke. Okay. Number three. 
Uh, you don't add cheese to it? No, no cheese. Just the plain pickles. What about a slice of American cheese? Add some creaminess. Just... No, no, no. no? I, okay. I like I, You can't smother the chicken. You gotta be a purist with yeah. the chicken sandwiches. But, I, I feel yeah. like you should put a slice of American cheese on it to add creaminess to the spice, but. Well, you know, maybe next time. Maybe, maybe that's today just me. You know? I used to work at Chick fil A, you know. But yeah, really, Mitch used to that. work at Chick fil A. That's yeah. why he's so nice. My yeah, is it your pleasure yeah. to be here? Are we even allowed to be saying their name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like trademark. Chick Fil A. The uh, the spicy deluxe comes with pepper jack cheese, oh, yeah. which is very good. It's I good get a addition. regular, but uh, not. I mean, like I get a regular spicy, but I add a slice of American cheese. I, I respect that, that. But try it. Yeah. Okay. Try it. It's something different, you know. Yeah. It's like, I'm I'm pretty much a chef here. Yes. Yeah. I can so tell. you're here. You're you're deep in professional immersion. You're eating spicy chicken sandwiches. How does the first uh, block of fundamentals go for you? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> a, a very troubling time for um, all of us. So fundamentals. So we had kind of um, two challenges. We were one first week of medical, first month, whatever, first real block of medical school, which is going to be challenging for any mm. sort of medical student. I mean, just inherently, just yeah. the step up from, from college. I think it really, I mean, you, I'm sure you guys have heard the analogies, drinking through fire, whatever it is, but it, it really does hit you like a ton of bricks or just that step up from undergrad. You're like, wow, I need to know all of this knowledge. Um, so we had that challenge. And then, you know, coming in as the charter class, and this was the first ever block that they've put on to. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it had its challenges really with the structure and maybe some of the professors getting used to what we need to know, fitting it into our blocks. and Because these professors, just uh, for clarity, they also were teaching for the osteopathic program. They were also teaching for the dental program, yeah. the PT, all the different programs. They had already had these set lectures. And then yeah. we come in with the, oh, guess what? We're doing PBL, and these lectures are th- 50 minutes. So, yeah, you know, adjust accordingly. There was some strife at the beginning. Yeah. There yeah. was some, con- con- like, conflict in ideologies. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. So all of which was, has been smoothed out. Yes, it has. And, and, and I mean, when we decided to come and be the charter class at, at this new MD school, I mean, that we signed up for that. We knew that there was going to be, you know, some challenges, but I think you kind of alluded to it where we also had some opportunities to, you know, shape the block going forward. So mm-hmm. like, even though it might have been a little bit more challenging for us, we know that now the M1s are, it's much more smooth because of, you know, the the feedback that we gave and and uh, the I've gone to a few of the lectures, and they really did listen to our feedback. Exactly, they're taught. Du- most of them are dual taught yeah. by a PhD and an, a clinician. Yeah, um, which is really cool. That is really cool. They're shaped to the fifty minutes. Um, Perfect. They're like little stories. They they're doing good. They listen to the feedback for sure. Perfect. Yeah. Um, don't yeah. ask me why I showed up as an M four <laughs> just to a lecture. But you know, nostalgia. They own. Well, you like medical education too. Yeah. yeah. So. Going to a lecture every now and then to see how it's changed. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, good. I've thought of, I mean, I haven't done it, but I think it would be cool just to like sit in a PBL session and watch and just like get that perspective or Uh having that perspective now and just seeing how they do it. I pushed so hard. And if anybody's listening to this, Dr. Ely, I know you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Griffin, I know you're not. But if you are, (laughs) let me be a PBL leader, like facilitator, please. You'd be great at it. It's too late now. The last block has started. Are they on IQ now or something? Yeah, they started yeah. IQ. I liked IQ. And they just started CPR today. Yeah. No, oh. Monday. Oh, exciting. Yeah. Oh, that means our EKG lecture is coming up. Oh, yeah, you better Me show up. Me and Justin up. Marks and Miguel. 
Oh, yeah. you do a thing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Mitch is our EKG pro professional. Dude, there's some EKG pros under us too, man. Yeah, I I, I love the EKGs. I don't know, I I still love it, even though I'm unfortunately <laughs> never gonna have to wear a stethoscope again. I was gonna say the I, ortho guy saying he loves EKGs know, is beautiful. I, I mean, I love it. That's just how my mind thinks. I love the process of things and. And not just, you know, looking at an EKG and, and recognizing a pattern and saying, okay, whatever, this is VFib, VTAC, whatever it is. I like understanding why, you know, where there's a depression or, or what the, mm-hmm. the spike stands for and everything. That's just kind of how my mind works, and I, I really like that. And you, you said yeah. you're interested in cardiology, too, so you have was, a yeah. bigger appreciation. Do you remember Dr. Daniel Chan, the orthopedic surgeon from Memorial that came in to lecture us? Maybe. He was really nice. Really cool guy. Yeah. He said, and this stuck with me, he said during during the lecture, he said, orthopedic surgeons are like the smartest medical students, but we are the dumbest doctors, I tell you. (laughs) So now you're not going to even know what an EKG is anymore. Yeah, it's going to slowly slip out of my mind. But I hope to to still stay uh, up to date on all this stuff. I mean... Just who I am as a person, even going back to undergrad, like I just love, even with the chemistry, understanding how things work, not just why things are the way they are. So even in residency, I'm going to try to make it a point to, you know. No, I believe it. I believe you, Kyle. Not try to slip away, let some of this knowledge slip out of my mind. I, I think you'll so be good. Time. You'll yeah. be good if somebody, if there's an emergency on a plane. Yeah. I'll you're... call Sam. 10 or 12 <laughs> years from, no, you should handle it. <laughs> no. Yeah, you'll become a master of, because ortho is, I guess any surgery is more of like a craft and that it's like a lot of technical skill and, and their procedures, but you could also still have a broad understanding of medicine and, and yeah. keep that up to yeah. an extent. Yeah. And what I've noticed about orthopedics is that um, you still have to very much understand the why about why things happen and, and certain processes. Um, I think it's a lot more physics and, you know, like mechanics than people really understand in orthopedic surgery, you know, with, with like stress risers and, you know, you got to have the right tension and, and, and movement and angles and things like that. I think um, the physics aspect was really awesome for me because I did like that when I was studying in, in undergrad um, and even for the MCAT. So, this is the best part yeah. of the MCAT. Was the physics? Yeah, yeah. So I, I think didn't think so, so think at so. the time, but no? now I do. Yeah. yeah. Looking back, it was pretty cool. Physics so. is a great subject. Everybody yeah. should respect it more than they do, especially I, in medicine. Yeah. I remember not appreciating it as much as I should have going through it. I knew that I liked parts of it, but I just – I wasn't even like super serious about my studies yet, so I was like, whatever. But looking back, man, that was such a fascinating subject. I oh, wish yeah. I would have taken it more seriously. Yeah, it's uh, I can see where the first half of it, when you take like generally physics one, is your mechanics type things pushing a box up an angled floor. Even that stuff, though. Yeah. It's so cool. It's, it's like how stuff neat. works. Yeah. Like how does stuff move? And then yeah. when you get to the second part, you start to get more into the, the how the nucleus works, which is really neat. <laughs> so. Yeah. So fun stuff. So you, okay. So fundamentals. Let's talk about it. You yeah. got through it, obviously, but how was that? I guess you can kind of lump it all together. And that, like, step one is the first huge milestone. Um, maybe getting through fundamentals is the first huge milestone, and then after that, it's uh, leading up to step one. Yeah. Yeah. So I really enjoyed, you know, the, those first years of medical school, and I mean, it was like we talked about a huge learning curve that you got to get through. But I mean, studying for step one. Was a uh, was a challenge, I think, for anybody. I mean, it, it's now pass fail, which hopefully should take some stress off, at least for the the dedicated period. But um, yeah, those eight weeks were were tough, you know, going through U World, you know, and and doing all that. But um, lucky to have gotten through it, and 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 yeah, not not too much going on with with the first two years. You just got to memorize. No, it's a huge learning curve. We've all done it. 
just find something that works for you. I mean, whatever process, if you use Boards and Beyond, Pathoma, if you like reading textbooks, if you like going to lecture, just just find something that works for you and stick with it. You don't don't buy 16 different textbooks and try to read them all. Find one thing that works for you and, and, and use that to get through your first years and adjust as necessary. If you don't do well in your exam, adjust something. Yeah. Yeah. So what worked for you? What was your process? So my process was I did Boards and Beyond first as like a... Um, Shout or, out Dr. Ryan. Boards and Beyond or, or Pathoma, depending on really what the topic was. If it was like more just physiology-based or basic science-based, I would do Boards and Beyond. But if it was more just like disease processes that I need to know, then I would do Pathoma. But either way, I would do either one of those videos and take my own notes on it. And then I would read or skim through like the corresponding textbook chapter with a textbook that works for you. I loved Costanzo. Um, and then Robin sometimes, and then I would take my notes that I had in either, from Boards and Beyond or Pathoma and just kind of supplement them by okay. reading through Costanzo or, or Robin's. Like, so if there was something that Pathoma, you know, kind of over skimmed over, but I think I should know more detail about it, I would, you know, annotate that and say, okay, this is fill in the gaps. Fill in the gaps. Okay. And then with Boards and Beyond, I would take my own notes on like loose leaf paper and then read Costanzo. Um, it's a physiology textbook that I think puts things just super clearly with just enough detail you need to know and then kind of fill in the blanks there and then just study my notes. And would you use any sort of like uh, recall, flash space, space repetition to like it, glue it together, I guess? Anki. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't get into Anki until really my second year of medical school when I started ramping up for, you know, step one studying. Um, I don't think it was super important for, you know, just the medical school um, exams going through. Like, if you don't have the time, I mean, you're really trying to catch up with all this stuff anyway. You don't you don't need to dedicate, unless it, it works for you, you know, the two, three hours a day necessary for Anki. But once we got to the second year, ramping up to step one, then I started to slowly integrate Anki into my studying okay. because I knew it would help me during dedicated with the recall. And I really do think that Anki played a big part in, in you know, step one success mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times step one, you're moving so fast through those 50 questions. Yeah. And sometimes it's just that one buzzword. That's all you need to hear to lead you to an answer. At least cut it in half and say it's either one of these two just because I know. That's so, a good point you bring up. People yeah. should listen to that. That's a, that's a good that's a good point. I haven't heard anybody bring up. So do you do practice questions leading up like yeah. all throughout year one, year two? Um, did you use? I like, saved U World for step one. Okay. And then I can't remember what I used for the RX USMLE RX. Maybe or USMLE Kaplan. RX or Kaplan. I, I can't remember. But they I have used Amboss one. now, which Amboss is, great. is fantastic. Yeah. So I plan on using Amboss even when I'm in residency, oh, not yeah, me too. for for the the clinical knowledge. One hundred percent. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth the subscription, even if you don't do the one with the 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 study questions. It's really cheap just for the knowledge base. Yeah. Oh yeah. The QBank is great, but I don't think we need the QBank anymore. No. Um, no. I think most people just use UWorld for step three, and that's plenty. Uh, yeah. But as far as the learning library, man, it's, it's oh, fantastic. The clinician mode too, and you it's know yeah, every, like mode. how to how to treat. Yeah. Mm. Shout out Amboss. Shout out They're Amboss, not sponsoring yeah. us, but it, I highly recommend it. They sent me socks. Yeah, disclaimer, really? they yeah. did send you socks. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Did they not send you socks? I don't but know why they sent yeah, They just I, said, happy match day, here's some socks. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't get my socks. Me neither. For those. But yeah, no, Amboss yeah, is fantastic. We actually, as a class, discovered it pretty late. I think. I think. I don't think it was actually popular in the states uh, when we started in 2018. Yeah. It didn't become really here until 2019 ish. Yeah. 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 So halfway. So into our second year, I think that's when for like IQ and, and towards the end of PBL, it's really good for medical school too. If you just want the quick hits on something, 
you don't have to do clinician mode, but just to, if you really need to learn a topic in like 30 minutes or just want to understand it better instead of opening Robbins or, or opening another textbook, just read the AMBOSS page. And I think it was it was very, very yeah. helpful. I so loved it for day. third year. I used it in clinician mode for third year, right when yeah. clini clinician mode came out. Yeah. Um, and you could write up your plans for your presentations. AMBOSS and up like, the day. How'd you know that? Yeah. yeah, and Boston up to date was everything was I used. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, that was step one. I blew through UWorld. Um, and just so people know, yeah. you know, for for orthopedics, step one, and this is this is obsolete now after this follow the next match happens. You have to have a really good step one score. So take Kyle's advice, <laughs> do what he did. So yeah, so I was fortunate to do well on, on on step one, but now I think step two is really where they're gonna you know kick the can further down the road. So so maybe. Focus on on that if you if if you're listening and, and interested in orthopedic surgery or any other you know a historically competitive field. Um, what I will say though about orthopedics is that once you get to a certain point, your step scores don't matter. That's what I figured. You have yeah, to, it's got it's a fit thing. It is with each program individually. You and I think a lot of people forget this when they're applying for residency. I know I even had moments of forgetting this, but. Having been on admissions for the past year, I realized that um, the programs know their fits better than you think they do. Yeah. So they know who they're gonna, they yeah. know who they're gonna want to interview. They know what yeah. their future classes are gonna look like, and you just kind of have to relinquish control and accept that fate. Yeah. And you know, cast a wide net and then go from there. But yeah. trust that the programs—they've been doing this, this. They do this for a living. They know their fits. Yeah. So. My my limited experience with that is for sure like uh, echoes that 100 percent is when i did my emergency medicine away at orlando health the two girls that were on my team for the month that were just the most hardworking, down to earth got along great with everybody they ended up matching there mm -hmm. and no one else did that i rotated with and everyone wanted to go there um i think you're 100 percent right if you're doing it away and they it doesn't matter what your scores are what your research is if you go somewhere and they don't like you you will not match there yeah, exactly. and I can talk about that a little bit too because I think especially with orthopedics, um, so pre-COVID, they wanted you to do, you know, as many away rotations as possible for that very reason just because interviews sometimes are, are hard to come by and, and you can really show yourself off and, and you know, sell yourself there. Um, but, yeah, I think that doing away rotations for orthopedics now that, you know, hopefully things are back to normal, take advantage of that time, do your away rotations, and like Mitch said, just, you know, be yourself because they're not just you know interviewing you you're you're interviewing them too at the mm -hmm. end of the day too like you don't want to go somewhere i mean based on you know prestige or what you think you want like go there and, and immerse yourself in it and say i could see myself there and then if they want you there then you know it, it's a perfect match i guess that's why they call it that but <laughs> and yeah. yeah yeah i couldn't have said it better one thing i i definitely want to get into before we move into like the third year which then yeah. inevitably gets to applications and all that goes with that is when did you have your first exposure to orthopedic surgery where it was something that came on your radar and you're like, man, this is something I might actually want to do? Definitely. Because you said you liked everything. Yeah, so, so how was story. third year for you? Like, how did that go? So, yeah, I went into third year after step one, still without an absolute clue, really. I had, I had certain interests. I always thought orthopedics was just cool, just, you know, hearing about it. I mean, you're going in there fixing things. I think anybody thinks it's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, the, it's really cool. The, the coolest yeah. instruments, the, the best, like, awesome patients that you get to help, and you get to help somebody instantly. But so third year, I still didn't really know what, to, what I wanted to do. I came into medical school really wanting to do emergency medicine, kind of drifted away from that. Because um, of your background? Uh, I mean, a little bit. That kind of what drew me into it a little bit. Um, 
but I also wanted something that I could see myself maybe doing when I'm like 50, 60 years old, where I don't know if I really want to be doing, you know, the, the 12 hour shifts and anything like that. Um, I wanted, you know, that opportunity to work, have a more normal schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, you know, some people that that works for them, it was just something that I could see and that I, I didn't know if I was super thrilled about, um, looking that far down the line, but I still think it's an incredible specialty and, and you've learned so much and there's some of the most amazing physicians that can do the most. Um, but yeah, those are kind of just some of the thoughts I had going into third year. Like I love that cardiology was really cool. Internal medicine was really cool. Anesthesia was really cool. I had experience in that. But Which, then I, sorry, not yeah. to cut you off, but do you think you're interested in everything just because of like how you are as a person? Like, yeah. are you just like naturally curious? Because I mean, I, I, I think that's why Sam and I like everything. It's just because we, we like to learn, like genuinely, we like hearing about stuff. So I think it's that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that I, I'm just a very curious person. I like to understand why things work. And, you know, you put yourself through medical school through four years of intense school. Like, don't you want to learn? the most you possibly can exactly. about it. I mean, like yeah. you're a doctor like you should at least have some knowledge we've said the yeah. exact same thing like and you should at least people... have some knowledge in everything like you don't have to be you know a radiologist for example you should know how to you know read an x-ray or, or what shows up on a ct scanner or you know you should know how to read an ekg or at least be familiar with it you should care and learn yeah. about things just for the sake of learning it because yeah. you're a doctor exactly it's your job med exactly. school's competitive and getting in is a gift yeah. i mean hey, you can have a perfect MCAT and all that, but it's, like Dr. DeLeon was saying, um, there's at least five, 10, and what I've seen, there's hundreds of people who are better than you. Yeah. So getting in is a gift. Do yeah. something with that gift. Yeah. It's a privilege, you go and you, you learn every day as much as you can when you're there, and do, do you know, do, yeah. ju give and that gift justice. I, I think that humility will serve you well in your career too, no matter what you go into. But yeah. so yeah, so you went into third year not really knowing. Not yeah, not really knowing what to do. And then I I came across the field of orthopedics, which I loved. I still loved internal medicine and you know thinking like that. And I came into to realize there's a field called musculoskeletal onco um, orthopedic oncology or surgery. Um, so basically, you operate on people with bone cancer like sarcoma. So you get the mm -hmm. orthopedics. And you also get, you know, kind of like that medicine side of mm -hmm. dealing with oncology and yeah. cancer. Where did you hear about this? So I just did some research on it. I was like, orthopedics is really cool. Let me see what other fields there are and something that, you know, can kind of pique my interest. And I came across, you know, orthopedic oncology. And I looked into it and I was like, this is something I could really see myself being interested in. So this is about halfway through third year. And I reached out to some people at some local universities seeing if I could hop on, you know, some research projects on this very topic to learn more about it. Um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, hop on some projects where it let me take a deep dive into, you know, orthopedic oncology, and I thought it was just the coolest thing. And that kind of opened the door to me for, for orthopedics. Um, and then from there, I kind of branched out a little bit more. I, I read more about orthopedics. I had a chance on my general surgery rotation to go, go into a few orthopedic um, surgeries, and, and I got to witness them, and it was just the coolest thing in the world. Some of the, the surgeons can do, I mean, the instruments, um, just and you get to see these patients be better, you know, immediately, and, and that kind of is what is what really did it for me. And then I took even a deeper dive into orthopedics with my away rotations, more research into orthopedics, like publishing papers and things like that, to just you know kind of give me that full picture. And from there, it was it was basically set. Um, so I was a little late to discover it, but I mean, I'm I'm very very glad I did, and and I'm confident about my choice because I talked about it because I did everything or I saw most of the stuff and I was like, mm -hmm. this is really cool. This is it. And I, I think something that the way you're explaining this is really important to understand for students in their, you know, mostly second year, early third year is 
the decision of what you want to pursue or the experiences you need to make that decision, they don't just fall into your lap. Like you really do have to open them up for yourself. You do yeah. like, you know, you, when I was on OBGYN, I saw my first orthopedic surgeries because I mm -hmm. happened to meet an orthopedic surgeon in the hall and mm -hmm. just ask if I could go watch surgeries. Mm -hmm. I saw two surgeries and I was like, this isn't for me. <laughs> and that I would pass out. <laughs> I would hear a bone crack. I I would, the bone cool. saw would come out. The yeah. drill would come out, and I would be. But, I would have to leave. Thing. But prior to that day, I was like, "Yeah, ortho sounds sick. Maybe I would really like it." But then I saw them, and <laughs> I was like, sounds sick. "Yeah, I'm just being <laughs> candid." But no, just take those opportunities, like Kyle did. You know, reach out to people, find research projects that sound interesting. Go shadow somebody. Yeah. They might even let you do stuff. It's not like you're a pre med shadowing. Um, but just go out of your way to get those experiences and make those decisions earlier on if you can, because you know then you have a lot of stuff to do after you make that decision, which I'm yeah. sure you did. Yeah, I saw Mitch. I saw you doing that all the time on surgery on IM, just walking around like a dork. Thank you. With your back straight, <laughs> I'll go look at that. I'll go look at that. I'll go do that. I'll go do that. But do that in medical school. It was school, so cool. Know? Yeah, Mitch just is take like advantage of it. He, and he's so wholesome about it that you you don't even get mad. Yeah, you know, you, yeah. you can't even get mad at him because yeah. it's so cute. He's like, I want to go see that cabbage for ten hours. <laughs> I've never yeah, watched whatever. I've never watched a cabbage for ten hours. Whatever interests you, but no, I, I mean, I had an, an underlying interest in orthopedics for a while, like I did with everything I did, um, like EMT. You know, you see femur fractures. When even when I was chatting my anesthesiologist at UF, like I was in orthopedic surgery cases and things like that, so I always had a little bit of an interest in it. And then it was really when I did a deep dive into it in research where I was like, this is really cool and something I could see myself doing. Um, and you really just go in and you, and you fix a problem and you use physics and you use, you use math and, and you have to think about things in just such a way because you can have just such complex fractures and you're like, how am I going to do this? And you really have to sit down there and, and think and, 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 and know which equipment you're going to use and where the stress is going to be and how is this patient going to be when they you know, return to you know, full weight bearing. And it, it just really was the, the coolest uh, coolest specialty. And what point in the timeline, so at what point in third year did you, or even in between third and fourth year, did you solidify, okay, it's going to be ortho? So it was when I first started working on um, the research project. Um, I did a, a research project. It, it was a review article. When so was nothing, that? This at was, what point? So do, you do you remember like a particular January. month? Okay. So January of third year. Jan so halfway through third year. Halfway through third okay. year. But I, I had I met I met my my mentor in like December or November. I can't remember a few years before, and he let me come in and I shadowed him for a little bit in his clinic. Um, and then he was like, "Yeah, let, let's do this review article together." Awesome. So it was when I started to do that deep dive. It was on fibular tumors and how we you know what what does the literature say? How should we treat them? Um, it was an interesting topic, and that's what really kind of you know solidified my choice because you don't realize how detailed something can be. As something is you know seemingly, I guess from an outside perspective, simple as a benign fibular tumor. To you know, you take that deep dive, and you're like, wow, this is really cool, and something I could see myself working on. Um, so my initial interest was in orthopedic oncology, and I still do have a, a strong interest in that. But now I'm back to where I was before, where I'm interested in everything. That's great. I had a chance to that's rotate good. on on joints. Um, which was really cool. Foot and ankle. I was like, this is really awesome. And I mean, I kept an open <laughs> mind. Um, spine was cool. So, I mean, I got to see some sports surgeries. So now I'm back to square one. We're like, That's what good. do I want to do? That's exactly <laughs> That's where you great. should be like, going into residency. That's fantastic. Well, I so. think it's uh, I think this is just good to point out too, in that, you know, you successfully matched ortho and you didn't even really commit or think about committing to it till eight months or so before applications went out. And a lot of stuff happens in those, you know, yeah. that so half year before applications. You had to do 
obviously away rotations. Yeah. Walk us through the process of you figuring out how to do them, where to do them, how yeah. to apply. Basically, what did you do? The yeah. timeline so between January that. and applications. Yeah. And then just to touch on what Mitch said too, like I didn't discover ortho until eight months before like applications. However, I what was doing stuff before that like the right. other research that we talked about okay. before like even if you guys don't know what you want to do do something get involved in no matter what it is do even if you know you want to do some surgery but you know you're still not sure do psych research just do something so that when the time comes and you do decide you still have something on your application mm-hmm. but um so for the away rotations i forgot what month we applied i think april march april March, yeah, yeah, it opened up in April. April for applications that we could view them in March. Yeah. Okay. So I applied, um, and I wanted to do three months of it. And this is through VSLO. 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 Okay, through which is a double AMC visiting student service. Yeah. And just for context for us, because we were still in the midst of uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, we, it was recommended by the COPA guidelines that we only do one away rotation unless your school doesn't offer that specialty. Exactly. Which our school did not because um, also what I think st- stacked the odds against you, Kyle, is that you came from a brand new program. Yeah, and we can talk um, about that too. Yeah, that was definitely so a the, And, and here overcome. you are, your number one choice in orthopedics, and I'm still yeah. beaming from it. So, And I, I'm not even your mom. Um, but so, so you, 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 you log in, you look yeah. at places. So like you said, we had the option of doing well, because we don't have a home orthopedics residency program, but also orthopedic surgery, their guidelines even said, look, we want these students, if they're able to, to do more than one. Because so the, the the program director coalition I forgot the, the exact name of it, they said we know how competitive orthopedics can be. If you're able to do more than one, do more than one. So I did. I did three, um, uh, and I applied and I scheduled it. So I did August, September, and um, November even. So I had a, I had a little bit of a break in October, um, and my one in September was Ohio State. And I was so excited to just get accepted, you know, to do to do an away rotation there because of those reasons I told you. I, I didn't really have a, a true connection to Ohio State or the state of Ohio, but it was something that drew me there. Get out of Florida for a little bit. I still have that big academic feel like I talked about in a cool city. So I was like, let's do this. Um, and I was fortunate to, you know, get in- interviews at those three places. And that's why they say doing these away rotations are so important because if you, as long as you, you do your work, Show that you're there to contribute and learn. You'll get an interview most of the time at, at where you do an away rotation. And I encourage people to do as many as you can without burning yourself out because burnout is real, especially in orthopedics. Like you will be working. You're not just there to, you know, come in at nine and leave at four. Like you will be you will be working. You'll be doing call. You'll be doing weekends. Don't burn yourself out, but do enough that you can, you know, learn about places and uh, and try to, you know, show the program you know who you are as a person it's also inherently stressful leaving your home for a month mm-hmm. going somewhere you've never been finding um, out where to eat get groceries yeah at, it's live. like it's yeah. almost like moving yeah. and then um not and you're not moving for a vacation or Absolutely settling not. in you're moving and immediately working very hard very hard and, on and top, not getting paid to do it no no no, <laughs> that, no. Not, not to mention the expenses of living in the yes. car or whatever um you're it's also just stressful because you're it is a month-long interview as, as most people understand, like you're always on the top of your game. And that's just taxing. Not that it's not yeah. a great experience, but it's taxing. Yeah. But if anybody can do it, Kyle can do it no. because it's Kyle. So my, my <laughs> advice and my philosophy with that on my away rotations, um, like 
you know, work hard. Like, like you're there to you're there to, to to learn, but you're there to also show them like what you're made of and, and the amount of time you're willing to put in, as long what you're comfortable with. Um, Let's be concrete. It, what does it mean to work hard, though? Because that means that's different things for everybody. You're right. Some you're people right. think that working hard is like gunning. No, yeah, don't or just don't gun. For me, it's just my showing experience, up. <laughs> my experience. Don't don't gun. No, but, never, never. No, no. But working hard, in my opinion, is when they say to show up, just show up. Don't be late. Put okay. in the work. Don't complain. How early do you show up beyond the time? If they say be here at nine, are you showing up at like seven thirty or? <laughs> Not no. You, so with with the surgeries, you you're there. You know five five thirty in the oh, morning. Oh okay. Wait, I'm I am. So yeah. <laughs> show up so, at so, nine. so work hard, and and I mean that by be on time, be attentive, be there to learn. Like right, right. be be curious. Don't don't ask to you know when can I go home. Don't be. Don't be inattentive to if somebody's telling you something, if the surgeon's talking about something. You know, just be curious. Show that you want to learn and you want to be there. Right. Um, don't, I mean, they, they like to throw the word gun around. Don't, don't gun. Don't try to, you know, try to answer every question and be like, did you know that? Did you know that? Just be you. Yeah. Be, be a hard worker. Show them that you're there to, you're serious about, like, if I went here, I, this is how hard I would work. They, your knowledge is... They don't expect you to, you know, be a practicing attending surgeon or any any rotation. I'm sure you guys can say it's very similar. Just, you know, show that you're curious and you want to learn. And that's really it. Stay for your surgeries um, and, and just be happy to be there. But don't don't be, you know, going crazy. Don't be trying too hard to, you know, show off or do anything. Just be you. And at the same time, you're interviewing them, too. If you're not happy being there, I mean, go through your month. Like just go through it because maybe you'll ha- you'll look back on it and be like, wow, that actually wasn't that bad, and then make that determination because you're interviewing them just like they're interviewing you. It is very true. Be you, and sometimes being yourself is just a full assault to a certain specialty, like Samantha when she was on Gen Surge. <laughs> <laughs> An assault to a specialty. My uh, one of my mentors. Uh, I'll have to edit this to make it more like PG, but his his advice was that if you want to go somewhere especially on the way you have to pass the 3 a.m. test which is that <laughs> to pass the 3 a.m. test you have to like be on call with somebody at 3 a.m. and do they want to be around you at 3 a.m. Yeah. Mm-hmm. are they happy are they making jokes laughing with you or if something crazy comes in are you guys able to handle it you want to be that person that's easy to work with is hardworking, responsible takes responsibility but they're also just like a down-to-earth person who you can make a joke with, you know? with without a doubt and I think that's universal across all specialties and I had the chance to you know do call and, and you know just kind of vibe with the residents like yeah. so going back to even to what we said about you know step one and research and everything there's a certain point where that stuff doesn't matter right because at some point with no matter what the specialty is you have an interview everybody's on even playing field at that yes. point just be somebody that you're going to be there in that foxhole with them in that call room for them for three years five years seven years if you want to do neurosurgery like just be somebody that like they can be like yeah i want to be with them and then after work i want to go hang out with them I want to, you know, meet who they are and, and, and just be that person and fit into, you know, whatever culture it is. You don't have to, like, mold yourself to a certain culture. If it's not a fit, that's why you do an away rotation. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you interview, you'd be like, okay, you know what? It wasn't, like, a super good fit for me, so maybe it's a little lower because that's the most important thing. You're going to be there for five years. And go ahead. Practical advice for some M3s about to enter into their rotations. Um, just off of what Kyle said, you're sitting in the in the room with them. Don't stare at a resident without saying anything for excessive amounts of time. Don't sit at their computer and do your U-world. 
um, get off their computers if they need Be them. Be cognizant. Always yeah. know if there's a resident, even if they're not on your team, if they're walking into the room, you get out of that chair right away and you move. You and go stand somewhere. But don't ever take their computer. Just move. Yeah, and just to add on, like, one little tip or disclaimer, I fully agree with everything you said. Is It's like how to carry yourself on an away rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell me if you agree, is that – as far as your attitude and how you come off is very important. Yeah. Um, I would err on the side of being more conservative in how you come off on an mm-hmm. away rotation and that you don't want to be too uh, – you, you're not one of the gang yet. Like exactly. you're not one of yeah. the residents. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You don't need to be making jokes the entire time. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be like asking them like what they're doing after work. Or, like what are, like exactly. you're not one of them yet. Exactly. You are a visiting student. And you, not that you shouldn't crack a joke every now and then and get along and laugh, but you should err on the side – of caution and just be a hardworking team member yeah. above all else. Yeah, no, I 1000% agree with that. Like, you're a very important part of the team, but you got to look at it from from their perspective. You're an outsider. You're, you're, you're there for a month. They don't know anything about you. Like, you were picked by the, you weren't picked by the residents necessarily to be there. Just, they're there and they're teaching you and, and you know that the, the residents themselves are overworked and, and underpaid and, and they're also giving you their time. Yeah. Like, and they don't have to do that. Like, just, be somebody that's just easy to work with and, and you know, find to just hang out with. And, and and that's really what they like the most. From my from my opinion, I'm not a resident yet, but that's what I think just work the best. Just be you and just be cognizant, like Sam said, of, you know, your place and 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 just enjoy the company and, and be there to learn. Yeah, that, don't really don't it. burden their already burdened. Yeah, don't life. don't burden you don't no. wanna they you don't wanna be the, the medical student when they come in and be like, Oh, great. Here yeah. comes, you know, so and so just be the one and be like, All right, cool, like I'm working with I'm working with, you know. Because it's awkward for the residents, too. They don't. They want to be nice. They don't want to have to tell you to get out of their chair. Yeah. Um, so whatever you can do as a med student to make their life easier, whether it's, oh, I forgot to get this patient's, this question about this patient. You run down and get it. Yeah. Or if you want to call the pharmacy, anything that can take the load off of them that's re- within reason for a medical student to do. Yeah, exactly. Don't ask them questions while they're writing their notes unless yeah. they've set aside time to go over a note with you. Then you ask questions. Yeah, self-awareness is so important. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's what we're trying to say. Be self-aware. Yeah. yeah. Surprisingly, some med students aren't. So very important. So yeah. you said you did two away rotations. Is three. that correct? I did three. Okay. I did three away rotations. Um, maybe I wish I. I mean, things turned out like well, but I mean, if I, I could have fit in a fourth, and I would have. If like, okay. Like if you have time and it fits into your curriculum, I think with something like orthopedics, like it, it you should do. Go out of your comfort zone again. I mean, it is. It's it's intimidating, I guess, for lack of a better term. Like your first day on an away rotation, especially in a new state, a new program. You're like, I don't know where anything is. These people are best friends with each other. They don't know who I am. But I mean, put yourself outside of that comfort zone because by the time you get to that third or fourth away rotation, you're going to be a rock star. So just, you know, do that. And you learned so much by just being immersed in this. The, the difference from what I've learned from my first orthopedic rotation through my last was incredible just by being there. Yeah, and you're, you're called a sub-I for a reason. Like yeah. you're, you're meant to be an almost intern, yeah. you know, in your knowledge and, and work ethic. Yeah. Um, one, a more logistical question just for like uh, aspiring orthopedic applicants when would you recommend that students plan to do these up to four away rotations as far as like what months definitely and I think everybody's um, uh, curriculums are different so uh, I think it's important to note that I did step two before I did these away rotations um, and now I think you kind of have to before interview oh, season sure. now yeah. you now you have to so, so i guess usually they'll in. want a step one score right yeah so apply. normally so sometimes 
or the orthopedic students wouldn't take step two until after interviews or after they put their application in to give more time for away rotations. You can't do that anymore. So take step two. I mean, um, I guess we can only speak about our curriculum. Yeah, when did you yeah. take it? I took it in May? July. July. Okay. Yeah, okay. end of July. Us too, right? We took ours in July. End of July. July. End of yeah. July, like July 30th or something like Same. that. Same, yeah. And then I started my away rotation. Like, you said in August, right? Yeah, so I took okay. step two on a Friday, took my first away rotation on Wow. On the, yeah. Luckily, the away rotation was close by, so okay. I didn't have to. Good. Excuse me, yeah. So um, August, September. So I did August, September. Had a little bit of a break in October and was done halfway through November, basically. So then here's an interesting, okay, so, and I know it's different for IM versus yeah. ortho when you're getting interviews. Yeah. We get interviews, you know, geez, the second day after, uh, oh, you know, no. applications yeah. are submitted. You had the one day, day, right? Yeah, that was okay. stressful. Could, could you explain that process? Yeah, and so. I, I kind of liked it. So what orthopedics does is um, they have a universal offer day, and I'd, like 95% of the programs do this. There's a couple that don't. Um, where on November 15th, and it'll be different for, you know, whatever year it is, on one day at noon, all the programs, like, say, we release our interviews. And then you can't accept them until 48 hours later. So it lets you take all your interviews if you're fortunate enough to get a lot of them so nice. and say, okay, I'm comfortable with taking just these, you know, however many to match, and then I don't want these, and I'll release them back out. So you have 48 hours to think about which ones you want to take. And then after that, there's another 24-hour period where you can accept them, and then they re-release the ones that people put back. So orthopedics this year was incredibly, incredibly, incredibly competitive, and I know it's getting even more competitive every single year. And it was kind of, you know, made even, not worse, I don't know if that's the right term, but even more in that direction with the virtual interviews because mm -hmm. people could get 25 interviews and, ex and accept all of them because there was no barrier to entry, right? You I mean, right. there's no flights, there's no hotels, there's no scheduling conflicts. You can do a morning interview and then an afternoon interview in the same day. And those are like the logistical caps of like money and travel time and stuff, yeah. but there's not any caps uh, on, no, on the, no, like the, the software. There's no end. barrier. So these were just compounded this year and ortho applicants were up like 20%, like more programs people applying to. So you had just a, a very small percentage of, of students getting a lot of interviews and accepting all of them. I think that was in every specialty, yeah, I, I to could be see honest. That, that was in every, yeah. I know I am people that got 40, 50 interviews, and went on all, all of them. them. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the nitty gritties of your application. So those who come behind you yeah. from this school or other schools, yeah. if you're listening, um, can sort of have an idea of what you did. Just copy paste this application. Just copy and paste Kyle's application. Yeah. You apply. Um, you apply, you know, with this in mind, knowing, okay, yeah, I have this ortho research. I have, you know, this step one score. Typically, these people match ortho, but let me think about this is virtual. Yeah. I'm from a brand new med school. Yeah. So at what point did you decide to parallel apply, which means you're applying to two different specialties as a backup in case you yeah. don't match into your preferred specialty? Yeah, and that's a great question, and I think – and I. No matter who you are as an applicant, no matter how confident you might think you are into mm -hmm. orthopedics, I would highly recommend having a backup plan unless, you know, you're okay with doing a prelim year and then reapplying, and then still there's no guarantee. You're and that makes it harder in some ways too, right? Yeah, it makes That's it harder it. because, I mean, they could take an applicant that didn't, you know, have a prelim year, and, and I don't know I don't know why. They, I'm not a, a residency, you know, admissions right, right. committee, but historically they say that if you take a year, it's harder to, 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 to reapply. It's like that for med school too. Yeah. It's like, it's like that, that in a lot of things. Yeah. Um, it's considered a red flag. So unless you 
literally would be just depressed if you couldn't do orthopedic surgery. I love orthopedic surgery and I'm thrilled that I got it with my, by far my number one, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to have a backup career that I know I'm stable for just for, not for myself, but like for my family. I want to, yeah, I, I need a salary. At and this you point. love everything. So yeah, that's a I good thing everything. for you. So I dual applied um, anesthesiology because I still was very interested in that. Like Which I, said, I could see. I love chemistry. I love physiology. And I love thinking about things, you know, with that cerebral aspect. And there's still a procedural part of anesthesiology. And you're a nice guy. Thank you. And they're all nice. <laughs> they are. I love they I gotta love be anesthesia. Nice. Yeah. The they, well, it's not so much the jawline for anesthesiology, <laughs> but it's the comforting. Like, yeah. do I feel comfortable yeah, around for you? Sure. Yeah. And I feel comfortable around you. Did you yeah. apply to only categorical anesthesia programs? Because I know they're like the people that applied to anesthesia also applied to prelim years and TY yeah. years. There was only a couple that I that I applied to that were advanced. Um, okay. So yeah, that's still phasing out. It's more like uh, it's more, like it's Josh almost was all saying, it's like ninety percent of them are all categorical. Yeah. Okay. I just was thinking that would make it even yeah. more complicated. Yeah. No. So, so you applied. So what did you do with numbers wise? How many ortho programs yeah. did you apply to? How many anesthesiology programs? Yeah. So with anesthesiology, I just kind of hedged. I, I mean, I, I had to have a backup. I thought I was a very competitive applicant on paper. I'm sure like all of you guys did, you go on the, the ERAS or the, the, what, the AMC and you can plug in your stats. And yeah, see and you can odds see. Odds of matching. And of or course, ResidencyExplorer.com. And, and they're, and they're, they're high and they're this. But I've heard just so many stories of, of friends of ours that, you know, have just insanely, and even online, incredible applications and for whatever reason don't match whether it's orthopedics or anything else and i just wanted to hedge my bet because it didn't really i mean cost anything i mean money yeah but i mean like in terms of increased time stress of dual applying and i just wanted to hedge just in case something happens it when you say hurt. money and this is a good point for people to know i think this is a good point to point out Spend the extra money for the Spend. apps because yes. like having a year behind is will put you behind a year of physician salary, stre unnecessary again. stress, there's applying of, again. Go go all out. There's a yeah. lot of things you can save money on in medical school, you know, not take out as many loans as mm -hmm. you can, et cetera. Uh, saving a thousand dollars or even less on having fifty more applications or whatever is not the one to save money on. Yeah. I say this for med school too. Go all out one time. Yeah. One time, you know, make it so you only have to apply once. I mean, don't go overboard. Obviously, there's a, a point of diminishing returns for each yeah. applicant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you know, don't be, don't uh, limit your list just because of money. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I did it. I was like, look, things can happen. I'd be very, very happy to be an anesthesiologist. It's something I'm very interested in. So I was like, let's do apply just in case things, you know, don't turn out, and I don't get, you know, whatever these. 15, 20 interviews, whatever it is, and I didn't. And thankfully, I did dual apply um, because, like I said, I've known people, and I'm sure people listening have also known people that were very competitive applicants on paper, great interviewers, but just the way sometimes it shakes out. Yeah. It's so random. Some of the interviews you'll get places from, you're like, why did they give me an interview, but this one didn't? So it, it's Same. I did not get you know the, the place I thought I wanted to go yeah. locally. Yep. And then I got a place that I thought would never even look twice at me, and that's yeah. where I'm going. It's you never so know. It's so random. You can be the best applicant on paper, but sometimes it just doesn't shake out because orthopedics, they have a 1,000 people apply for 60 interviews and then five spots. And so, like, those 60 people, like, the difference between, you know, the 60th person and the 100th person is still so razor thin, and it's so random. And 
just the odds of it can shake out where you can be an amazing applicant and not get as many interviews as you desire. I 100% agree. And even when I look at, I applied to 53 internal medicine mm-hmm. programs, had 15 total interviews. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, that difference of 30, 40 programs, there's nothing statistically about me that I shouldn't have gotten mm-hmm. an interview, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I think, Sam, when I talked about this before is that there's something on your application that people see and they're like, oh, we would like to interview this person. Yeah. Or they see your application and they're like, meh. This person just wouldn't fit with us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's the thing. It's not that they, they think you're meh or whatever. They just go, this person, not going to fit in our program. Historically, we like people with square jaw lines. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. or whatever it is, you yeah. know. And so other orthopedic applicants I talk to, I mean, they're talking, they're, they're applying to every single program. They're yeah. applying to 120. Did you do that? I under-applied. Okay. And I under-applied. With it worked eight, out, with- didn't it? I applied to I think eighty programs. Oh, that's and an that's, under. App. That's okay. under Sheesh. apparently for oh this year. Gosh. And how many anesthesiology ones? Only like fifteen or sixteen. Okay, okay. So um, close to a hundred total programs. Yeah, oh there's about a hundred okay. total programs. Um, and so with orthopedics, and again, going back to the away rotation, this is why it's so important because with ortho and for every specialty, I think especially orthopedics, is they love fit. And yeah. it's so hard to come across on a on a on a virtual interview, and I'm sure it's the same for internal medicine yeah. or every other specialty. That's why these away rotations are so great to show them who you are, so you're not constrained to that hour long interview, that 30 minute interview, whatever it is. Um, so it gives you a huge leg up. So I applied to 80 orthopedic surgery programs, and I got eight interviews. Okay, great. That's is, a 10 percent return on your investment. Which is yeah. from from what I've seen. And from the charting outcomes, people, what what is that? What was that? You know, the NRMP. Charting match uh, outcomes. What was that? What was the magic? So number if you did like eight in a row, yeah, or because you know that they have that. You're magic talking about number. the point of diminishing yeah. returns. Where no, no, no. The point of where you know they say, oh, ninety percent of applicants with eight contiguous ranks, yeah. they so, they match. Yeah. So the point with that was back when there was in-person interviews. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they were more. I mean, it was Correct. more spread out, or mm-hmm. I don't know how much that really had a had a role in it because more people got interviews probably when they were in person. People were dropping more. Yep. So based on the 2020 data, it was it was high. It was like 10 or 12. Okay. Um, which means it's probably even higher for a virtual season. It was probably which even is higher. Information we don't have yet. Yeah, it was probably okay. even higher. But what I've noticed that eight this year was about the median. Wow. Um, about okay. the median. It was from what it seemed like eight to ten was probably the median of interviews that people were getting. And I think it was because those you know those top 20 applicants were keeping you know 30 interviews, so there was less for everybody else. Um, so I think that the median interviews was a little bit lower this mm. year. Um, but Ortho still filled all the spots. It did. So of they, it they, did. They, they did what they needed to do, I guess. Yeah. And then anesthesia, I had, I believe, five interviews. So I had 13 ranks. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, I did. I, I, I mixed it up a little bit, though, because there were some anesthesiology programs maybe that I would have liked a little bit more than some orthopedic surgery programs. Oh, okay. Um, so you just sort of... You let fate take over. I let fate that mean. So that's why when I was up on the stage, I was like, oh, my God. Like, I don't even know what specialty I'm doing. So on point. Monday, you find out we find out we match the Monday before, yeah. you know, the Friday, the match day. I mean, you must have been obviously relieved, right? Everybody's relieved on Monday yeah. they matched. But yeah. you also go through this whole week not knowing what you're matching into. What type of doctor you're And gonna they're be asking that. us when we're doing these simulations. I know. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Either this or this. Um, and then you, yeah. and then we talked about how you went up on stage. Yeah. But yeah. So I would say, yeah, the away rotation is just so important and, and just make the most out of all your interviews that you have, because it really only takes one interview for you to, for you to rock. 
Yep. And 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 you're you're set one or two. I mean, I don't I I don't know what what's going to happen with orthopedic surgery in the future if they're going to go back to you know the in person interviews or anything. But just there were so many great people who didn't have a chance to interview with some places or match or, and it's just so unfortunate. And um, I don't I don't know what the future holds in in that regard. But, just yeah. just for a minute, if we something you said a few times. If you had walked up on stage and saw you matched to your favorite anesthesiology place, how how do you think you would have felt? Would you have been satisfied? I would have been. I would have been absolutely thrilled. Yeah, this I really guy, would have been. Be, he'd be thrilled with anything. I would have been thrilled because a well, big reason is I saw how brutal this match process can be to some people, and to just be fortunate enough to match in a place that I liked and I interviewed at, and in a specialty that I, I still really do enjoy. Like I said, I like everything. I would have been thrilled just for, you know, that opportunity to still match at a place that and, and get me to be, a, you know, a board certified physician. That's that's the most important thing at the end of the day. I right? think you would have been thrilled with pathology in Alaska. Like, I don't oh, think I don't you would have. I, <laughs> that's no, where really, it draws a lot. I don't know. I don't know my girlfriend would have thought about that. That would have been a fun adventure. I think oh, yeah. I think you would have been like, OK, you would have taken 30 seconds to compute and then be like, you know what? This is going to be a fun adventure. I'm so excited to I learn all like, these different pathologies in Alaska. Alaska. I can go snowboarding. No, like, yeah. I just feel like you would. You'd, you'd see the positive side of it. And I yeah. think that's why, yes, you got your number one rank, but I am pretty sure you were number one or ranked to match at almost, not probably everywhere you interviewed. I don't think so. No, 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 because it's a positive outlook. That's It's extremely important. It carries a team of very far. Yeah. It's Agreed. very important. I think um, I, I really just want to touch on that because this is something that's lost on a lot of students, myself especially, is that you kind of envision yourself in one field, and nothing else. And you're trying, like, especially for me, for a lot of students that had to decide between two uh, different fields, it's very, very likely that you would find a happy, successful career in mm -hmm. more than one field. And yeah. that there are things that you would like about other fields. Like, had I gone emergency medicine, mm -hmm. I would have found happiness and I would have found success in that career, exactly. although it's different. I could have seen myself doing OBGYN or, or family yeah. medicine, even. Like, I don't think that. You should worry so much at the end of the day, because, right. like you just said, don't you're gonna box yourself in. Don't box yourself yeah. in, but just unless don't it's be... general surgery and you're me. <laughs> <laughs> just don't be no, so cool. worried about that decision, or don't feel like there's only one field at the end of the day that would ever suit you. It's not true. It's not true. You can find happiness in, in anything that you do, and um, I was so I'm so lucky to um, to have matched into orthopedic surgery, especially coming from a new school, which I think did have its challenges because, like I said, sure. I think. I mean, I think on paper I was a very good applicant, and some some of my colleagues in medical school too. I mean, going to a new school did have its challenges, where you really do have to, you know, kind of explain like, oh, I'm a new school in, in Fort Lauderdale. It's the, the MD program. Did they ask you specifically about that? Um, I did get a couple of, of questions on that, where someone's like, "Where is this?" And I did too. Did I I was asked where my com comlex scores were. Yeah. Uh, because you know we have our osteopathic program that's been around forever and is very well yeah. you know known um a f couple of programs local programs too were like oh where are your complex scores we, we don't see them i'm like yeah. i'm part of the md yeah. program like oh we didn't even know yeah so those are one of the challenges but i hope in the years to come we put out a good name for ourselves um just as students you know when we do rotate at these places and, and you know put out a good word for for nsu md and and just continue to grow, but we, like we said, we knew what we were getting into, and we were the first class to uh, to do this. But I think it did have its challenges sometimes, and maybe I could have gotten a few more interviews if if there was if they knew about our school already. But 
you know, that's that's something for you to, to take to heart. And when they did ask, why did you go to a new school? I mean, it, it let you be a leader. I, I had opportunities to give feedback and, you know, be the first in something and take a chance. And if you can spin it like that, because it's true, they're going to take that and, and say that's that's really and nice. We like that. I'm biased because I love our class. Just We've gone yeah. through so much together. But, like, even just you matching orthopedic surgery at the Ohio State University, mm-hmm. like no, that, that's I something. So yeah, it's, it makes me happy. Say, yeah. But that, these matches this year, regardless of how competitive they are or whatever, those translate into our reputation. Those give our underclassmen uh, they contribute to the reputation is what exactly. I'm saying. They're like, oh, yeah, somebody did match plastic surgery, orthopedic surgery, internal medicine at this place. And yeah. that opens doors in a way for some programs where it might have not otherwise. Exactly. So just keep putting the word out. And and like I said, I think don't let going to a new school or whatever, whatever you however you view, view your school is, don't let that constrain you. Like you have other data points and and we all at the end of the day we all learn the same stuff anyway it's just oh, yeah. sometimes oh, people yeah. view reputation whether that's right or wrong is a different debate but you get your away rotation be you because at some point they're going to say oh I could take this guy who's really cool but he goes to you know a lesser known school or that that's newly established or this guy goes to you know big name but we don't really like to hang. which one are they going to take they're, you always you they're gonna take the one that they can be in the trenches with in any specialty right so do your way rotations especially in orthopedics because it's interviews are just so so hard to come by even if you have the most fantastic stats in the world do them you're interviewing them and they're interviewing you just be you and just be somebody that they'd like to have around you don't need to be the smartest kid just be somebody they like to have around and then hope for the best and, and work on the jawline Chew gum. Um, there are things no. out of your control, like the yeah. jawline, but there are things. Oh, you can work on the jawline. There's things in your control, um, mostly just your academic performance, like through your discipline and through how hard you work and your study habits. And then there's just how you carry yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the two things that you can control. And everything else is kind of out of your hands, at least once mm-hmm. you get to application season. It's and one fun hands. fact about orthopedic surgery, because I know – it had a 20% increase in applications. Everybody Crazy. wants to do it. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, it's super cool. You get to use drills. Um, and hammers. And hammers. But the physician workforce data came out and it from AMC. And on average, nationally, 56% of orthopedic surgeons are over the age of 60. Yeah. So there's going to be a huge need uh, for orthopedic surgeons. Um, so they might even... It, it would even maybe be smart to think about opening programs. They should, they should open programs, and the same the same numbers for cardiologists as well, um, Mitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's just very interesting to look at those, look at that data, and see where yeah. it's going. When yeah. we did um, one of the projects I was on, we were looking at like physician shortages or projected shortages in each specialty. We didn't look at surgical subspecialties, but general surgery, I believe, was the only one where like the ratio of surgeons to population was going to get outnumbered like quite a bit and that we were going to have a pretty severe shortage of no general surgeons, surgeons yeah. in mm-hmm. the near future. Of, it's of nearly everything. We always say primary care, primary care, and that's true, but there's these other things too there's yeah. orthopedic surgery which you need with an aging with population, an aging population yeah. um so you know maybe maybe some spots can expand out maybe they can make more programs there are so many seats. just you know incredibly intelligent i mean hard-working people that, that that don't match into any specialty sometimes 
and and that would be amazing to have more orthopedic spots or, or increase the size of programs too. I think. I mean, I I can only speak from my perspective as a medical student. I'm not a I'm not a resident or attending or anything, so I don't know their their viewpoint. But at least from a medical school standpoint, medical student standpoint, and just knowing some people that um, they didn't get into orthopedic surgery, it would be incredible to have some of these just these students yeah. like learn and as a member of residents. the general human population. Yeah. I would like there to be more orthopedic yeah. surgeons because if, if, if over half of them are over 60 now, by the time I'm going to need my knees, oh. we're going to have an orthopedic <laughs> surgeon sh- a shortage. Yeah. And so I think it's crazy, too. They're, they're absolutely just filling, like, or they're just expanding the amount of residency slots and fields that don't need it, like emergency right. medicine. There's over right. 200 unfilled spots. I and saw just that. A massive influx of new EM residencies, often in places where they really shouldn't be building yeah. EM residencies. And then you have place, or things like urology, ortho, um, plastics with, you know, close to 50, 60% match rates. Like, yeah. That's the places that actually need the residencies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with, this, the, with the physician shortages, too, projection, projected shortages. So um very interesting i guess maybe it's easier to start an em program than it is an orthopedics program probably way easier i imagine (laughs) i'm not sure how that works i I imagine orphopedics has to be funded do you have an er oh all right perfect let's put some people in there Uh, so interviews went well for you overall obviously they they went i mean like I, i said with the away rotations like Yes, they're interviewing you, but this is just about where you could see yourself work. Don't put yourself in a position that you won't be happy with just for the sake of, you know, matching at a place that you think is more prestigious or, or something, I don't, whatever whatever you think it is. You're interviewing them too. So sometimes there were interviews that I felt like I'd, I mean, that's why we re-rank that I don't mm-hmm. think went as well, that I couldn't see myself matching in. So Same. I think the ones at the top went well, and the ones at the bottom, I was like, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy, obviously, to match no matter what ends up happening. But that's why that's why we rank things. And yeah. you don't you don't have to. It's different for depending mm-hmm. on what you're doing. Um, I did IM. There were a few programs they just didn't rank off of based off of interview. Mm-hmm. I was very worried that I didn't mm-hmm. do that uh, going into that Monday match day mm-hmm. uh, because I am a worrier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you don't see yourself there, don't, don't yeah. rank it. Well, yeah. This might be different for certain specialties. I think it depends. Yeah, it just depends. If you only interview it, like let's say you interview at a total, uh, like I don't know, eight places, like total. Yeah. And you're like, I don't even know you if have you have the liberty to not rank them. Yeah. Because you're. That's by, what, Yeah. I just want to put the disclaimer out by not ranking something. What you're saying is, I would rather go unmatched and potentially soap than go here. And this mm. is how I was gonna a, finish my thought was. Yeah. I went in with much anxiety for that. And I, you know, I interviewed at 18 places. I ranked 14. And Mitch probably remembers me massively freaking out, like, because I wouldn't, if I could go back in time, I'd rank those other four just for the, just for the anxiety relief. Because going through soap, that's the worst. It's also not hurting anybody. I haven't done it yet. It doesn't hurt anybody to rank it, but I can't even imagine how that must feel. Um, It's a miserable week. Your whole class is celebrating around you. You're not. And it seems like your whole three years leading up to this point were, were for not. So yeah. um, That's why I'm saying, too, with orthopedics and if you do, like, a more historically competitive specialty, like, think about dual applying. Because if I do apply and let's say I got more interviews than I than I, I knew was, like, a pretty confident I would match orthopedics, you don't have to take any of those interviews that you applied to for, for your backup specialty. I mean, hedge your bet unless you unless at the end of, you would rather soap – and do it again to, to do that specialty you desire. 
I mean, it doesn't hurt to have another specialty that you could potentially interview at. You, know, you can always say no or not rank him. Yeah. It's a good point because, I mean, had you matched anesthesiology, it's I, I know it's probably technically possible to then somehow reapply <laughs> to ortho a different year. One, it's extremely unlikely. And two, when you match to a, a categorical program like that, you're you're committing yeah. to filling that spot for those yeah. years to become that type of doctor. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about, too, before we wrap up shortly is could you just explain generally for those who are interested how orthopedic programs work? Like how long are they? Um, what type of career options do you have? And like what are the fellowship pathways after those years of orthopedic surgery? Definitely. So orthopedic surgery is a five-year categorical program. Um, and your first year of residency, your internship, you do only six months orthopedics. And then the other six months is, you know, rotating around. You'll do like SICU, ED, radiology. Some places you will do like an anesthesiology month. Um, general surgery, plastics, burn, whatever. Every program is different between those six months that you do, you do your intern year. Do any of them have you do wards like internal medicine? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I mean, I know for a few of the programs you do SICU for like a little bit um, okay. for a month or so. That's really important. Though. Yeah. yeah. And you do ED. Yeah. So. yeah, and you do ED. Yeah. You do ED at some. Um, some are heavier. Um, like some programs that I interviewed at, they do those other six months are just straight gen surge. And then six month ortho, wow. um, so you're really working hard your your intern year. Um, so your intern year generally you don't really do a lot of independent solo call. You're there to learn. You're there to learn the process and and kind of just learn how the department works. Your second year historically, from what I've seen and what I've heard, and not a resident, um, has been the most taxing in terms of hours because you're the youngest on the totem pole while also being able to handle the most. It's really that happy medium where you're doing solo night call. You're doing solo weekend call. Um, I love that you call it a happy medium. Well, I mean, it's because they, they, they don't look. It's positive. They don't it's want so beautiful. an intern there. The, on, the only yeah. one in the hospital is our intern and yeah. at night. You're like, okay. No. <laughs> our, sec our second uh, and the second year historically is when you, you the second and third year when you start to take solo call and, you know, being the one there. Um, and then it gets a little less taxing apparently from you know fourth and fifth year on the, the actual call schedule um so your first it's very front-loaded it seems like orthopedics um again haven't gone through it so correct me if i'm wrong but from the outside perspective that's what it seems like and then you go through rotations and things like trauma which historically is is the the most uh hour heavy sports um joints foot and ankle oncology and pediatrics, I think, are the okay. six. I probably am forgetting one, but those are, you know, going to be your, your six main, and, and you rotate through those. Um, and you do a two-and-a-half-year curriculum, so two-and-a-half with all those, and then you kind of repeat it. Um, oh, wow. Okay. So you kind of do everything twice. Um, at some programs, instead of doing three months and then three months of something like pediatrics, they'll just do six months straight of pediatrics, and that'll be your, your pediatrics. And then just to touch on the fellowships really quickly, um, most residents that I've talked to do fellowship um, because it's only one extra year. And then you have that certification, that board training, that, that train extra training for life. Um, so you can do everything I talked about. It has a fellowship, trauma, sports, foot and ankle, joints. I think, I think that's becoming... Yeah. Uh, spine, right? You spine. Do spine. Oh, spine. Yeah, so yeah. that's another rotation that I, that I forgot to mention, okay. spine. Yeah. Because that's something I didn't know, and I had to look this up, is you need... 
You have a herniated disc. Do you no. go to an orthopedic surgeon or a neurosurgeon? I always thought a neurosurgeon. You can do either and one. And you can do yeah, either, you can one. either one. Um, a lot of overlap there, huh? There's a lot of overlap in when, you, in when people rotate on wherever they go for orthopedic surgery. That in hand. Hand is another specialty that I forgot to mention. Yeah. It's split between plastics and ortho. And then spine is split between neuro and ortho. Okay. And they different hospitals have different ways of, of splitting that up. Like sometimes we'll say if there's a neuro deficit, neurosurgery is taking it. Other hospitals have been at where it's split in half for the first 15 days of the month if somebody comes in with a spine complaint, ortho seeing it. And then oh, the wow. second half. And then it, same for plastics. So if, if it's, you know, the first half of the month, then that's the plastics team seeing hand. Second half, it's the ortho team seeing hand. There's a lot of interesting overlaps like that in medicine. Um, yeah. I can just think of the top of my head, like interventional cardiology and vascular surgery. Mm-hmm. They can both treat like peripheral arterial disease. Um, anesthesia versus ED, managing like trauma airways. Yeah. Um, you know, podiatry and foot and ankle orthopedic surgeries. Yeah. I'm sure there's overlap there too. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, so that's just how it works. And But you can do a fellowship in that. You can do ortho and then fellowship in hand, ortho fellowship in spine, sports, joints, foot and ankle trauma. Um, but yeah, it, it's recommended. Oncology, you can do a fellowship in that because it's only one extra year. And I mean, considering the other surgical subspecialties that are longer than five years, ortho is a good deal. I mean, five years is a long time, but I mean, it's it's less than, than vascular, than plastics, than neurosurgery than any of the urology or i think urology might be five years too but uh then some of these other surgical subspecialties so it's a good deal yeah five plus or you know plus one or not for Mm -hmm. a fellowship that's not an entirely too long time uh to be such a specialist in your field yeah cardiology i'm looking at you know three of internal medicine three of cardiology and your general cardiologist then one or two years so that's up to eight (laughs) it's a long time yeah wow so yeah and you don't you like now you've re- you've hit the reset button you like it all. I like it all. I had okay. a, I was I was fortunate to rotate in a lot. I mean joints is cool. I mean you do similar procedures all the time. But excuse me, there's something to be said about perfecting your craft. Like you do sure. hips and knees, and you are the best at it. Or you can do something like trauma, where you're operating all you're doing a humerus and then a femur and then wow. a tibia and like all in the same day. So it's just what you like. And I'm sure as you go through residency, you, you find out more about that. If you do joints, let me know. Okay. Can you hip replacement? Knee knees, replacement? probably, yeah. yeah knees. Yeah. Ortho is yeah. one of those interesting specialties where, let's say you are like a shoulder guy. Like, that's, that's your, your specialty. You're is a shoulder guy, yeah. Like, you're the shoulder guy <laughs> shoulder for your expert. area. Yeah. Like, and I know some places it, it's even hyper-specialized where they have entire surgical centers that are, like, just for hips or just for yeah. whatever. Spine, yeah. yeah, and then you, that translates to becoming so efficient. And if your team yeah. only does that, too, and you work with the same team, your efficiency for the number of patients you can see goes way up, which, I mean. Yeah, especially in things like sports and joints. I've seen surgeons, you know, that can knock them, like, bang, bang, bang. And that probably helps day. the patient and you because, like, mm-hmm. the patient, one, you're working with somebody, that's all they do. So they're yeah. probably really good at it. Yeah. And then you're probably having a lot more revenue and, and efficiency and time off because you're able to see more patients in a quicker amount of time. I yeah. see commercials for spine surgery, spine places all the time, and yeah. that they're 15-minute surgeries. So, oh, I'm, yeah. crap. I don't <laughs> so, know about that. Oh, I the see spine them on surgeries TV, yeah. I've been in are like eight hours. And, oh, no, know. it's like the micro dis- yeah. Yeah. discectomy. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Micro yeah. 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 I don't know. I'm not a surgeon. Yeah, I'm not a surgeon. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the cool part about ortho, too, that, I mean, you're really attracted to me, you know. When you are practicing, attending, there are different avenues to schedule your work and do work-life balance. I mean, if you want to work in a private practice center and not take call, you're free to do that. If you want to work in a hospital and be in a more academic setting, you're free to do that. So 
It's really cool. I got to say, Kyle, uh, you are, you know, not my son or anything. Mm. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. I really am. I'm so impressed. You're from day one. <laughs> I, right, I you knew that. you when yes. you're talking about your Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Um, I voted for you for president, just Thank FYI. You. Thank you. Um, which you should have won. Yes. You're, I mean, you're, you're fantastic. Controversial Thank you. moment. Thank Controversial you. In, in moment. In SUMD history. <laughs> that was beautiful what you did. Thank you. Um, but just seeing your trajectory, mm-hmm. um, having groups with you, seeing the way you think, um, your positive attitude, uh, and seeing you open that letter on stage, I, it was such a proud moment. Thank I was you. so happy for you. And your mom, she was so excited. Um, so I'm really looking forward to what your career has in store for you. Thank you so much, Sam. It's been a pleasure to be here and, and talk to everybody and hopefully, you know, give some good advice to some people who are considering orthopedics and uh, yeah, go for it. You're going to do great things, man. Thank if, you. If you could do or if you could give just maybe one piece of advice to anybody uh, under us, particularly here, just um, any or advice. Or to Kyle. Sorry? Or if you're giving it to past Kyle. Oh, the past Kyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you could Kyle give yourself in the ago. past advice or – an aspiring orthopedic applicant. Uh, just a tip of advice uh, before we head out here. Okay. Any so idea? An aspiring orthopedic applicant is academics are important. They get you in the door, mm. but your personality and who you are are gonna are gonna close the deal and and seal your fate. So keep that in mind. Use your academics and research to get you in the door and something to talk about. But be somebody that people really want to work with, and and that's the most important advice I can give. Absolutely. Be yourself. Work on personal growth and I, I think that's yeah. something that a lot of people le- th- leave out for med school mm-hmm. but even myself I'm old and I still have grown so much as a person over the past three years yeah. I've seen my classmates do it too I go from 22 year olds to full adults 25 year olds um and the amount of personal growth that can happen in those three years is incredible so focus on that exactly <laughs> and don't forget how big of a gift it is to even be here yeah. it is medical school is it's hard and it's a blessing and you'll get through it and just do something that makes you happy. Did you have fun over the last four years? There were challenging times, but it's the, something that you can look back and say it's the most fun I never want to have again. Uh, That's the best stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I wouldn't mind doing it again. I thought it was fun. But, I mean, I love med school. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> no, I think it's great. Kyle, it's great. thank you, man. It's been really a pleasure getting to know you more and <laughs> getting to talk to you. And I'm sure that this is going to be super helpful for future ortho bros and gals and if there's any future students who ever listen to this whether it's a year from now or five years from now or six years from now i'm hoping they'll be able to reach out to you definitely um they'll find you they'll his find name's me. kyle yes yeah. he's part of the charter reach class. out through our little nsdmd network of people yes. yeah definitely well thank you mitch thank you sam it's been uh, an absolute pleasure and i hope i can uh, help some future students thanks man mm-hmm. Orthopedics on sink or swim, and we're playing you out today. And we're playing you out today. Do you need a knee replacement? Call Kyle in 10 years, and he'll do it. He's gonna do mine. I'm super excited. Sink or swim. <laughs>